This is another episode of On the Grid by Z Prime. Love your energy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Z Prime on the Grid. I am your host, Dylan Lockwood. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Aaron Hardick. Aaron, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Dylan. How are you? Doing fine. Um, I mean, still on on our the scale of adjusted expectations, but yeah, just uh, plowing through, making do, putting out some killer content over here at Z Prime. And uh, speaking of f- figuring our ways th- way through, uh, we've got someone here on the show today to talk about that very thing. We've got Rod West, President of Utility Operations at Entergy, on the show today. Rod, how are you doing? I am doing great. Thank you. All things considered, uh, speaking of uh, adjusted expectations, uh, I consider myself uh, to be fortunate and uh, you know we're we're dealing with this uh, with this new reality best we can. but uh, good to be with you and and thanks for having me. Yeah, how are things uh, going at Entergy? Well, we uh, we go as the community goes, and when we talk about community, uh, for energy, it's uh, it's a multi-state and regional conversation. Uh, it's Arkansas, Louisiana, Texas, Mississippi, certainly the city of New Orleans, but it's it's also uh, parts of New York, parts of, of Michigan, it's parts of uh, Nebraska and the other places where we have facilities and employees uh, working and living. And uh, whether it's the uh, macroeconomic issues or it is the ever-present COVID threat fonts uh, we are dealing. And so to suggest that that we are fine uh, is both an overstatement and an understatement, uh, depending upon where you actually, uh, where you actually sit. So I can tell you, I uh, am, uh, am doing okay and, and consider myself fortunate, but uh, we are managing a, a multitude of stakeholders uh, and trying to help help everybody. Yeah, what what does that look like? What does bringing those stakeholders together look like? What's being discussed and what's being done? Well, when to be specific about the stakeholders, you know, our our vision and mission is all about you know recognizing that we power life, uh, and you know we exist to create sustainable value for the four key stakeholders that won't be surprising to uh, to you and your audience um, are uh, our customers, our employees, uh, certainly the communities we serve, and uh, and without a doubt, the investors. And, and as we think about, you know, creating sustainable value, it's regardless of the environment we find ourselves in. And we have to be agnostic as to whether it's a a hurricane uh, or a storm, a winter storm, ice storm, or, or a pandemic or an economic downturn, we view ourselves to be uniquely situated to, uh, to have as part of our mission, keeping our, our stakeholders um, moving forward. And in this instance, it's, uh, it's particularly challenging uh, because, uh, you know, in, in a storm, you're never more than a plane or a helicopter or a car ride away to civilization for the areas that's not hit. In this instance, the entire region, the entire country, and, and dare I say the entire world is affected. And so there is no stakeholder who isn't affected in some material way by COVID 
but COVID's happening on top of everything else. And, and that's really what, you know, what the present day for us at Entergy and, and certainly other utility companies and other companies around the country are experiencing it. We're, uh, we're out of the shock and devastation of, of, of not knowing mode. We have an idea of what we're dealing with. You know, reality has set in and it's, it's, it's going to be, uh, it's going to take a, it's going to take a Herculean effort for all of us to get off, uh, get off of our backs and, and knees to, to move this country forward. But I think we're, we're up to it. You mentioned a storm. I, there actually, there actually was a big storm that, that hit your service territory recently, right? Over the course of, uh, of the Easter holiday, uh, in our Northern, uh, really the middle of our service territory, Northern Louisiana into Arkansas over the Easter week, we, we had a, uh, really a devastating um, weather front that came through bringing hail lightning uh, winds that uh, that you winds you normally not see 70 mile an hour sustained winds uh, and above that you wouldn't see without there being a named storm associated with it but but in the midst of the covid uh, challenges in the midst the the solemnness of the Easter uh, week into the weekend we had customers out of, of power because of a because of a storm. And uh, in addition to dealing with the challenges of COVID, we had employees and contractors and partners uh, working around the clock during that Easter uh, Easter holiday to help customers uh, across the sector get back on their feet. And and it was a uh, it was a challenging a challenging experience for all of us. And I have to uh, I have to tell you that I remain proud of not just the the company and its employees, but the industry and certainly our customers in Arkansas and, and Louisiana, who uh, who were so understanding, notwithstanding the fact that their lives were disrupted by this by the storm, uh, and, and certainly their their holiday, uh, the if you call Easter a holiday, but their the, the Easter season for those who celebrate it was disrupted. Uh, for uh, by this storm, and it it was it was a lot. Uh, we deal with storms all the time. This was particularly unique because everyone was uh, was in the midst of dealing with uh, with the COVID reality, and the storm happened on top of that. So it uh, it was quite disruptive. But uh, I'm happy to report that that for those who were able to take power, we we were successful and. And, and getting uh, getting the system up and, and running. And uh, it didn't just happen. It happened because there were people who, who put in the work, put their lives on the line to bring life back to the communities we serve. Well, we're certainly thankful, Rod, for those folks who were out there, you know, trying to get uh, power restored. You know, they're dealing with this just as much as the rest of us are, and they have a duty and they choose to fulfill that duty to help our communities. So, you know, a big shout out to the people who are working on the front lines and dealing with a lot of these issues. And so this really kind of brings us to what we want to talk about for the rest of the episode, which is resiliency and reliability and kind of how that ultimately affects the customer. Rod, we've had somewhat of a similar conversation in the past at EPS 19 around resiliency and reliability. And you talked a lot about Maslow's hierarchy of needs during that conversation. So 
Can you tell us about how you really interpret Maslow's hierarchy in the context of running a utility? Thank you, uh, Aaron, for the question. Yeah, ETS 19 was a was an interesting conversation that has, has turned out to be far more prescient than I even gave it credit for, just given the challenges customers have, have faced. You know, I, I was introduced to Abraham Maslow's uh, hierarchy in, uh, in college, uh, like, like so many uh, who had the fortune of, uh, of taking you know, those types of uh, courses in school. But in, in the context of, of, of business, I think a, I'll give you the 30-second primer on Abraham Maslow's uh, theory around human motivation. His hierarchy of needs uh, essentially makes the point that, that human endeavor, um, you know, effort uh, times uh, motivation is influenced by a hierarchy of considerations um, from the bottom of those considerations being uh, physical or physiological, think safety, security, uh, you know, food at the bottom, uh, self-preservation being the first law of nature, and then and then moving up the the hierarchy to its highest point uh, around you know, self-actualization, your living your best life, your highest ideals, and and that journey. Up, uh, up the pyramid from having your basic physical needs met to being at a point where you're living your best life and achieving your highest aspirations is essentially where we as humans are in every day of our lives going up and down that hierarchy. The, the idea from a customer standpoint and why it is we talk about uh, Maslow's hierarchy uh, is the influence that that hierarchy has on what customers and how customers view value to them on their terms uh, with any company, whether it's a utility company or, or a retail clothing company. The successful companies are those who understand what and how uh, their, their customers are motivated. And when we think about Maslow's hierarchy, uh, it's, it's thinking about it in the context of how does, a, how does today and tomorrow's customer think about the value that, that a utility provides uh, given the access to technology that, that, uh, that's available to us to, to, that has transformed the notion of value from where it was historically um, 100 years ago when we were solely in the business of generating and uh, transmitting and delivering that electron or, or molecule to the customer, and that was it. And so as we think about what, uh, what the future investments for a company like ours, we're asking that question around what's the customer doing with our product or products that was so important, because that's what customers are going to view as valuable. And and we see that playing out not just in the context of electricity, but where was the customer on his or her journey uh, where electricity and the services that stem from it uh, was able to, to help the customer in that journey. And so it's, it's a mindset around people that gets extrapolated to, to a customer uh, value chain, regardless of it, if it's an individual, a commercial, or industrial customer.
So Rod, given that explanation, and for me, what I really take away from that is, as you mentioned, how does the customer view value? I think in 2019, that started to focus a lot around what people were referring to as the three D's, digitalization, decentralization, and decarbonization. Customers are starting to look at you know, more options? Could they get, you know, green energy? Or um, could they have more control over the type of energy they had in their homes and how they interact with energy in their homes? But in light of what's happened in 2020, I think it really has reverted back to, in terms of value for the customer, reliability. And are the lights going to stay on during this global pandemic? And then, like you mentioned, layer on top of that severe storms. I think the value really does start to come back to reliability and and safety. So given that explanation of Maslow's hierarchy, how do you continue to balance both the reliability and safety during such turbulent times as these? You know, it's it's a great question around the framing. The, 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 I guess the reaffirming aspect for, at least for me, is that it doesn't change. What's different is where the customer happens to be. And I think you alluded to it at any given point in time. Whether it's a hurricane, a nice storm, uh, an economic uh, malady, you know, negative uh, prices of oil, um, or a pandemic as we find ourselves in, that customer who only two months ago was aspiring uh, to achieve his or her sustainability goals, um, is no less interested in those long-term goals. But today, right now, the customer, because of external forces, has been forced back down to the bottom of the hierarchy where he or she uh, is, is literally first and foremost, focus on his or her existence, their safety and security. And so in that instance, the conversation around electricity, uh, as bad as it is right now for those who have been sheltered in place, as bad as it is and as bad as it's getting for those whose jobs have been uh, taken away from them, eliminated, or, or they're just not working right now and having to file for unemployment benefits or is there's no cash flow coming in. The only thing, not the only thing, but one of the major things that would make that circumstance worse would be that if they were sheltered in place, they were without the ability to care for themselves or to have their lives disrupted because uh, of some disruption in the service that they've come to expect uh, in their homes around connectivity. Even though there's physical separation, there's still virtual connectivity, no different than the conversation we're all having virtually because electricity has been made available. Imagine how much more difficult the stress would be for our customers, regardless of where they are in the United States, if their lives were even further disrupted by electricity. So as we think about the outcomes that matter, reliability was no less significant um, for our customers, even when they were farther up in their, their hierarchy, pursuing their, their best life. But in a circumstance like this, uh, we know that while they might not have been thinking about reliability because they took it for granted, because they're sheltered in place, 
that they're paying far more attention to the need to have reliable service than they would have otherwise. For Entergy, for other utility companies, we know that, uh, that that's always been the case. And theoretically, that Maslow's hierarchy uh, suggests that you uh, that you you climb to the next rung on the hierarchical ladder when you've had that the one below it satisfied. You know, and I know in practicality they often overlap, but in in this instance, when very lives and livelihoods are threatened, you're focused first and foremost on that bottom rung. And so, from a reliability standpoint, we get it. It's why our employees are essential employees. It's why our men and women are out in the field working every day as first responders, second and third responders to keep those hospitals, to keep those apartment complexes, to keep those grocery stores uh, and those homes um, up and running. It's incredible work that all of these people are doing, uh, you know, going going out there, uh, making sure that everyone's lives can still kind of can still kind of run, run and we recognize that i know you're doing everything you can to make it as safe as possible but people still feel that risk when they go out um so i just if any of the if any of those uh, essential workers are out there listening to this just know that we appreciate everything every, everything you're taking on to to do this you've talked a lot about how this customer lens helps uh, is fundamental to building a utility of the a utility of the future tying it a bit into what you were talking about about the, this hierarchy of needs does does the does that roadmap of uh of achieving a vision of a utility of the future does does that that that, that seems to kind of conform to that pyramid that roadmap you can almost dot dot it dot it along that pyramid so what does that kind what does that kind of look like and what is the i don't want to say end goal because it's an ongoing journey how do you want customers to to envision that that utility and well how? i'll tell you what let's think let's think about it in contrast to the traditional value chain for the utility right and uh, aaron we talked about this in uh, in times past and this will sound familiar to you, but, but for the last hundred years or so, since you know uh, we were generating electricity with with sawdust at the beginning of the 20th, uh, we we're burning sawdust to generate electricity at the beginning of the 20th century. That that value chain started out with central station power, uh, the big power plants located near bodies of water, generating electricity, transmitting it along high voltage transmission lines. Um, through substations that, that 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 high voltage power is transformed down the distribution level and and distributed to to homes and, and businesses to to power lives right to keep the lights on and the gas flowing and as long as the utility company in that in that that what ultimately became a highly capital intensive uh, business uh, of engineering you know, power generation, distribution, transmission systems, the, the value to the customers was deemed delivered if the utility was a, a prudent uh, steward of the assets of generation, transmission, and, and distribution. The outcomes for customers was, was deemed delivered because the responsibility was solely to, to provide um, safe, reliable power that was affordable. 
Now, the difference between the last 100 years and where we think the utility of the future is, is to be, that we, we like to think that, that we're creating it now, is that the bias for a utilities incremental investment was always around maintaining, designing, and building the asset. Um, uh, the optimization of the system was what the regulators and customers were forcing uh, us to think about as, as this, this benefit socialized across you know, various customer classes. But, but plugging in this notion of both rapidly evolving technological advances and Maslow's hierarchy, a dynamic is in play that suggests that customers aren't going to, to value the safe, reliable delivery of electrons in the way that they did before. In fact, customers are going to naturally take it for granted because it's not the delivered electron that they value, it's what they get to do with it, powering their devices and televisions and, and homes and schools you know, you're powering the, the internet of, of things to make their lives easier as they climb their hierarchy. Where the incremental investment for the utility of the future was solely based on those traditional generation transmission and distribution assets, the utility of the future is also going to be asked uh, to equitably, equitably <laughs> provide additional services around this, this integrated energy network for customers that, that gives them the ability to, to use and, and manage and in some instances produce power according to their own preferences. And if we do it right, they're going to ask us to do it for them because if they had the choice of using, managing it, or producing it on their own where they were actually having to spend time doing it versus having someone else take care of it for them to give them time to go focus on the rest of their climbs, they'll go for that as well. It's not an or relative to we're no longer investing in the central station power, the high voltage transmission, or the distribution assets. That has to be part of the backdrop because it is the mechanism by which we equitably provide that, that, that bulk electric system that sets the floor for expectations without regard to your socioeconomic status. It's the bulk electric system that makes uh, Internet uh, access available for, for those who live in rural communities. So I'm not suggesting that the assets of the past aren't going to continue to be an integral part of the utility of the future. They will have to be. But Aaron, as I alluded to in our conversation last year, the way that our capital plan, all of these, these assets wind up playing out in a capital plan, the actual composition of the capital plan is going to have more and more assets centered around where the customer is situated the distributed energy resources, not just focusing on the supply side, but the demand side that happen to be in the closer to the vicinity of the customer versus the vicinity of the, the bulk system. And, and it's a different complement because technology is giving us the options to do it differently than we have in the past. But the measure of success 
is the outcome for the customer on the customer's terms, which is why the Maslow's hierarchy is a framework for doing nothing more than, than asking the question, what was, what was important to the customer? Where were they on their climb? What did they value? And so if you break down the value of a, you know, the customer's relative happiness, if you will, with the service provider, it's no different from an insurance company, the pizza parlor, we, we joked uh, Papa John's <laughs> pizza, right? You know, the, the fact of the matter is, uh, you know, if that customer was happy with their experience and got a product that they were happy with and it was at a price they can afford, um, and, and, it, and they were dealing with a, with a vendor, a provider who was, um, was reputable, they were going to tend to be, to be loyal to, uh, to that provider. And, you know, as we think about it, uh, we, it's oversimplistic at times, but that is very much what the utility of the future has to be about. It's about the customer outcomes on their terms, not solely the assets. So it, it makes me think, you know, the cultural and economic kind of shifts due to the pandemic. More folks are working from home and therefore they're more cognizant of what they use electricity for to use their laptop to work from home, to plug their phone in and charge it all day and work from home to keep their um, broadband up and running so that they can work from home. And then pile uh, on top of that learning from home where kids are staying at home. And so you're really spending a lot more time in your home and therefore you're seeing more customers are seeing more what exactly they, all the things that they use electricity for, right? So they're really seeing that value come through if their electricity is on and if it's working, it becomes a really big ordeal when the lights don't come on, when the power isn't there. So my question is, do you think that the cultural and economic shifts due to the pandemic will maybe accelerate that transition you were talking about where there are more um, generation assets on the distribution side of the grid? Or how do you think the cultural and economic realities of the pandemic will kind of affect this transition for the utilities to continue to provide customers value in the way that they perceive that value? Interesting question. First of all, if I, if I knew with certainty the answer to that question, uh, I'd probably not be working <laughs> in my job. Uh, but but in, in all seriousness, I think the, the pandemic will be a pause. But the one thing that I can tell you is that human nature hadn't changed. And that's why, you know, history doesn't repeat itself for you know, just because it repeats itself, it, it tends to repeat itself because human nature hasn't changed, which is why Maslow's hierarchy remains relevant. The moment the risk is, is over, customers, regardless of where they are, residential, commercial, industrial, governmental, are going to be back to their respective climb. And unless the pandemic is so prolonged, you know, if you think about the, the econo- from an economic standpoint, 
there are three scenarios that that tend to happen after some calamity uh, that 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 really creates a fracture in the economy, whether it's a recession or a depression, as was the the case in the uh, late 1920s, early 30s. You have a V recovery, you know, where there's some superseding intervening event that collapses demand and the economy goes in the tank. And then when that issue is remedied, it bounces back up. Or the U-shaped recovery, where you have that calamity that destroys demand and the economy falters. And the U represents the bottom where the economy is trying to figure itself out and how to recover, and then there's a gradual recovery up. Or, as is the, the as was the case with a, a depression, a recession into a deep depression, you have the L-shaped recovery. Whenever the customers, and this is human nature, not Rod, you know, waxing eloquent on uh, any kind of predictive analytics, Human nature suggests that whenever there is the recovery, customers are going to be back out trying to climb their hierarchy. And so if anything, they, we need to be prepared for a hyper um, desire for, for technological capabilities. I don't, I don't know, and I don't know that I'm in a position to buy into the thesis that the pandemic is going to change expectations. The part that I do believe it does have the ability to do is accelerate, to your point, the need for, for greater products and services. There may be a change in the way that, that we work uh, relative to how historically we had done it, you know, with tele, telecommuting and things of that nature. I think it'll be far more gradual if there is a V to a U recovery. The you know the real drastic cultural changes, I don't think that happens unless there's a, a elongated depression that totally upends um, upends the economy for an extended period of time. And to be specific, I mean beyond a year to eighteen months. If there's any kind of recovery in that shorter time period, I do believe that we're gonna we're gonna spend most of our time trying to get back to some semblance of of normal. You raise a great point, though, about the acceleration of, a, of, of an expectation around uh, electrification and the ability to, you know, to be connected. But, but, but for Intergy and companies like Intergy, we were planning for that dynamic before there was any notion of a pandemic. So um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here to tell you that there won't be a change in expectations. I don't expect it to be drastic because I, I believe human nature is uh, is going to clamor to get back to some semblance of, uh, of of normalcy. I don't believe shelter in place will be part of the culture any longer than it absolutely has to be because we're we're designed to be connected to one another. Right. I I do want to say anecdotally before we moved on. Um, about what you said regarding kind of like the past repeating itself. I had a very similar conversation this past Sunday during my book club meeting. I'm currently reading Trinity by Leon Uris, which is about um, the Irish revolution and uprising. And the quote at the beginning of the book is, 
there is no present or future, only the past happening over and over again. And so it really kind of brings me back to this conversation. Now it seems like this same theme of history repeating itself, the past happening over and over again has become very apparent uh, given the situation that we're in. And that's just what I wanted to share anecdotally. And I know that there is, yeah, there's an an English saying uh, that goes somewhat along the same lines that Kate Rollin, who's part of my book club, she works for Oracle Utilities. So shout out Kate for bringing this to my attention. But there's an old English saying Uh, that says something like uh, the past happens over and over again until we actually learn from our mistakes. And so that also feels very relevant now, too. Very, very interesting observation. We've talked about a lot of things here. Reliability, uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh, the customer journey, the human condition. Let's, uh, Let's bring it on together. So clearly... Uh, the utility industry, the utility industry, the electric industry is we I mean, we've always been saying it's at a crossroads because when I say always we've very recently been hammering home the point that it's at a crossroads because of just the you know, natural evolution of the business with in regards to technologies, a more globalized populace, all the all the classics. And then on top of that, we've got a We've got an increase in customer demands because of this pandemic we find ourselves in. Um, so just to put put it together into kind of a thesis, uh, how does a utility take on this these increase in demands from all these different factors and then meet those demands while determining priorities for growth? Well, and that therein is the is the challenge of understanding what what does value represent? When we talk about uh, value for customers and, quote, unquote, increasing demand, the last 100 years has been volumes times price, right? That's, that is how you, you grow. Uh, you've traditionally grown any, any business. The demand from a customer standpoint, when we talk about the utility of the future, the customer of the future, the integrated energy network, Customers are not necessarily looking to increase demand for electricity. Their demand is for control. Their their demand is for sustainability. Their demand is to not have to think about uh, worrying about the usage of electricity destroying their their discretionary income, depending upon where they are on the economic hierarchy. And so as we think about how this affects the the business, the utility has to think about um, how do you go about putting capital to work to provide the basics and then help the customer climb their respective journeys um, up the up the hierarchy through on, on through their lens and, and through their outcomes. You you deploy technology in a way that allows you to achieve these objectives at a lower cost. At, a, at an affordable cost. And, and if you're able to focus on customer interactions, the things that matter to them, deploying technology at a lower cost, you might actually have 
be able to grow. Actually, it's not might. We, we, our thesis is you will grow your company without necessarily having uh, uh, all customers view success as using more of your stuff because customers will pay for what they value. The only time you have a conversation around price is when there is a question of, of, of value. Uh, and certainly if you are on the lower end of the economic strata, value to you relative to price, that is that price to value conversation is different. And so regardless of how we populate that capital plan, that, that capital plan has to have as one of its objectives, lowering costs to customers. And, and, and the, the next question that it, would, it might beg is, well, you know, what about, you know, renewables and things of that nature, you know, in the climate? And one of the things that we talk about quite often that, that grounds us in what customer centricity is all about, climate change is a conversation you get to have after your bills are paid, after your child, your children are fed and clothed and housed and, and schooled. We get to talk about fuel source, fuel choice, uh, things of that nature after we've taken care of the bottom of the rung on our uh, on our respective hierarchy and and any any business that that loses sight of where the customer is on their hierarchy and knowing that that customer is on a constant journey throughout their their hierarchical climb that it goes up and down loses sight of why it is we don't get traction in, in one particular area or another. And so our guiding principles have to be on, on, on what, what, what the customer is actually, what actually moves them, what they will value as we think about, you know, modifying the business and the business structure and, and things of that nature. It's a, it's an, like you said, it's an evolving target, but some guiding principles help keep us, grounded when we're going through the normal topsy-turvy changes in, uh, in technology and uh, the ups and downs of the market and the, the, the vagaries sometimes of, of customer demand. But it's not always price times volume because some, some customers are going to view, uh, view it differently. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's important. Uh, always keep it, keep it back to mind. And that's a, that's a, I think that's a really smart guiding philosophy. Uh, Rod West, thank you for being on and talking about uh, and talking about this very turbulent path forward uh, that everyone's kind of working out. You guys are, are awesome. It's always an opportunity for me to give thought to, to how we're thinking about this business. And fortunately for me, uh, I'm not in a bucket truck. It's a bad day if you see me in a bucket <laughs> truck. And if any of your audience sees Rod West in a bucket truck, come get me because I'm stuck. Um, the photo <laughs> off badly. <laughs> but my my job and the job of my my colleagues is to is to think about where we're headed constantly. Uh, we have great employees who run the day to day magic of of managing danger to keep the lights on and the gas flowing for our customers' ambitions. But but I truly am uh, grateful for the opportunity to visit with you guys and give some thought to uh, to how we're thinking about this business. And please, to you, to each of you, and your families and your audience. Stay safe, uh, and please be smart as uh, as we think about the path forward. Well, we really appreciate 
uh, having you on. And Aaron, we appreciate uh, you lay, uh, laying all this out for us as well. Of course, Dylan and Rod, you know, thank you again for taking time out of your day to chat with us. And, you know, I, I wish you and your organization, those folks on the ground, you know, the best of luck moving forward and just continue. Z Prime definitely offers their support, uh, offers them support and their continuous efforts. And we're just, you know, incredibly appreciative of the folks that are out there and still working very hard. So thank you for your time. And again, thank you for all the work that you guys are doing. You're very welcome, guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the, the day and week. Be well. Thank you. And you too. If For those of you who want to hear more of Erin's great book recommendations, uh, like she like she brought up, like she brought up this time, she uh, you follow, make sure to follow her on Twitter at Aaron Hardick uh, for that, along with also a lot of funny stories about your dad. I, I always love when those pop up. Um, <laughs> I'm on social media at DY Lockwood and Z Prime's content can be found at Z Prime underscore research or you can go to our website, zprime.com. My name is Dylan and we'll see you all next time.